the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him, and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your commands. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then his father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may have heard me speak about my appreciation of the Enneagram as a personality assessment tool helpful for self-realization and growth. 
You've also likely heard me speak at length about my love of the animated musical film Encanto, which I have watched no fewer than three times in its entirety, unless you also count the untold number of times I've listened to, nay, sung through the soundtrack. It's a magical moment when two great passions intersect, which is exactly what happened for me when I started looking at Encanto through the lens of the Enneagram. There is, in fact, a whole article about it online that you could look up. And I know I'm not the only one because I've had in-depth conversations about this very thing with at least two friends. If you've seen Encanto or at the very least listened to my sermon about it earlier this year, yes, that's two sermons about Encanto in one year. Who's counting? But you would know that the story centers on the family Madrigal, who has become the recipient of an unexpected miracle. As a result, each member of the family in a sort of coming-of-age ritual is given a unique gift. Take Isabella, for instance. In the words of her younger sister, she's the perfect golden child. With her gift, Isabella can instantly conjure perfectly beautiful flowers and plants anywhere. But with great power comes great responsibility and the intense pressure to perform and to consistently do everything perfectly all the time. Anything less would be a failure. Isabella is, in other words, almost certainly an Enneagram type 1. I should know because I too am also an Enneagram type 1. Detail-oriented, responsible, high standards, judgmental, critical. These are just a few descriptors for better or worse often assigned to Enneagram type 1s. In a word, 1s are the perfectionist. We see the world around us with incredibly high standards for both ourselves and others. And while we can be perceived as overly critical of others who don't do the right thing, the most intense pressure to achieve these impossibly high standards often falls on ourselves. And ones are, without a doubt, our own harshest critic. If that sounds overwhelming and exhausting, because it is. As Isabella sings in Encanto, no, I won't sing, I'm going to read it. So much hides behind my smile. What could I do if I just grew what I was feeling in the moment? What could I do if I just knew it didn't need it, if I just knew it didn't need to be perfect? It just needed to be. A friend of mine who first taught me about the Enneagram, once they knew I strongly identified as a one, gave me a framed quote that now hangs in my bedroom. It's one of the first things I see when I wake up in the morning, and it's an affirmation specifically for Enneagram type ones. Grace requires nothing of me. It's an affirmation I find myself coming back to time and again because it's a message I need to hear. There's nothing I can do or have to do to earn the love or validation of others. As we move in the direction of growth, ones learn that we are worthy as we are, not for what we can do or achieve. Grace requires nothing of me.
It's a message for all of us, really. Enneagram type one or otherwise. Truthfully, it sounds like it could be a quote from a book on Lutheran theology. It's also a message that the family in today's parable needs to hear. Each member in different ways. Our focus is typically on the younger brother, the prodigal son, as the parable itself has come to be called. Having prematurely asked for his share of his father's inheritance to go off and make his own way, he squanders every cent he has until he has nothing left and finds himself in a desperate situation, dying of hunger. Resolved to go back to his father and take the place of a hired hand, he rehearses this penitential script in his head over and over again. The unexpected welcome he receives instead is perhaps the most obvious illustration of the affirmation in this story. Grace requires nothing of me. We can only imagine his reaction in that moment. The parable doesn't mention anything he says or does in response, only what is done to him and for him. The robe, the ring, the sandals, the fatted calf, and the extravagant celebration. In his desperation, the younger son thinks that he can somehow work his way out of his dilemma on his own. But in his stunned silence, as his father runs to meet him while he is still far off, he learns an even more profound truth. Grace requires nothing of me. Not everyone is happy about the joyous reunion, though. Seeing the excessively lavish, or some might say prodigal, party for his selfish, wasteful, undeserving little brother, the older son becomes angry and stubbornly refuses to be a part of the celebration. Instead of sharing in his father's joy, the older son makes it all about him. I've worked for you for years, and you've never given me so much as a young goat, let alone the fatted calf, to have a party with my friends. What's up with that? Patiently, maybe even with a slight smile, the father responds, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. I've never withheld anything from you. You don't have to earn my love. This grace requires nothing of you or your brother or anyone. It's a truth the older son, as much as the younger son, needs to hear. Even the parent in this story who tries his very best to raise his children in, a w in the best way he can needs to hear this message. His heart surely breaks as much as when he hears his older son become angry as when his younger son leaves on his own for God knows where. The father can't fix it all. All he can do is offer forgiveness and love, just as he has done all along. Grace requires nothing of any of us. Whether we are the younger son who doesn't feel like they deserve the grace they receive, or whether we are the older son who doesn't recognize the grace and acceptance they've had all along and can only become envious and indignant at the grace and inclusion shown to others. 
or whether we are the parents whose heart breaks when they feel helpless over a situation beyond their control, when their heart breaks at the brokenness that they encounter. Grace requires nothing of any of us. God's grace is prodigal. It is lavish, extravagant, abundant, reckless even. God's grace frees us to be fully and truly ourselves. No expectation to achieve impossibly high standards. No expectation to create beautifully perfect bouquets of flowers. No expectation to be anything other than who we are. Beloved children of God. Loved wholly and completely.